Terry Savage is here. Hi, Terry. Hello, John. So lots of questions from last week I still want to get to. And there's a few things that you've been writing and thinking about. Where do you want to start today? Uh, Let's start with that fraud versus scams column that I wrote just three weeks ago, which said basically that banks aren't paying out if there's any sense that you might have wittingly or unwittingly, quote, participated in this uh, removal of money from your account. It's a fine line definition, but the banks are getting very tough. And so I was warning that if you... uh, if you inadvertently click on a text or if you receive a call and look down at the caller ID and it says, you know, fraud department at uh, Citibank or Chase or Wells Fargo, you should not automatically assume that's really them. It's a way that in many cases they are able to gain control over your phone um, and well, it leads to a whole lot of fraud. So, but the whole point of that story was you should not be complacent because we all know that there's a 100% guarantee that against fraud if you use your credit card or your bank. Well, so the banks, as I said, that was a piece, the headline for the column, are getting tough. Just yesterday, here's a headline. New York Attorney General sues Citibank for alleged failure to reimburse fraud victims. It's one thing for Terry Savage to say, be very, very careful. I just don't think I could fix, I, had the, I was the one that could get the banks to say, wait a minute, the phone was cloned. When you sent the text that said, confirm yeah. this transaction, that it happened. went right to the fraudster, yep. that kind of stuff. Um, but now the New York Attorney General has sued Citibank uh, for allegedly failing to protect and reimburse victims of electronic fraud. So we will see where this goes. Uh, but obviously there is just a... It's a, a multi-billion dollar fraud, and it's gotten so technologically sophisticated. You don't have to just say, oh, yes, I'm Susan Smith, and yes, my PIN number is 2222. Instead, they're able to actually get inside your phone because you answered it or because you clicked or because you verified or because there was a text. And all those things make you, quote, a participant and have been the reason for denials. So continue being very careful, but now the attorney, this will be litigated, I think. Uh, You know, I hate to say I see it both ways. Ultimately, I guess I'd like to see the people made whole, but uh, the bank is a business and it's also holding my money. So if you get defrauded out of a million dollars because you were foolish enough uh, or unlucky enough, I'm I'm not sure, Unwitting enough. Oh, sure, sure. But I mean, uh, if I put my money in the backyard and you stole it, I think that I would be foolish enough to allow that crime to happen. I, this is, put it this way, there, there's some cooperation on the part of the people who are the victims of these scams. There is, it, it, but it's, you know, when it happens to you and it's your, you know, we're not talking. I don't know why I'm siding with Citibank here. I mean, I, I want the people to <laughs> no. be made whole, but I don't know that the bank can, every time somebody gets ripped off, I, does the bank have to give them their money back? Well, for years and years and years, I mean, forever, as long as I can remember, before all this technology, oh, yes, if, you're, if you've been defrauded, we'll make good on your credit card, or we'll make good on your, um, your bank account. So people who've been around for a while think, oh, well, sure, the bank's going to make good on it. It was a fraud. It was a fraud, but your role in it is now critical, and the, the, the sophistication of the scam artists is so huge. It, it really outwits 
the terrific fraud protection yeah. that banks have set up. Well, we'll just text you. Well, yeah, but your phone was cloned. So now you're not getting the text message. But Terry, a credit card does protect me from this, right? I do get reimbursed if somehow they've used my credit card, right? Yes, that's fraudulent. But the bank account transfer, these, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the call you get, this is the XYZ yeah. Bank Fraud Department. Did you charge $500 at Walmart in Georgia? Just hang up and call your bank. Initiate the call or the web search yourself. Terry Savage is here. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Terry, lots of calls for you already. What else do you want to say before we go to him? All right, let me do another quick update. Proving a point, but also giving you an opportunity. You And I hate to open this Pandora's box again, but you remember last fall before the de- deadline at the end of the year when you could sign up for Medicare Advantage. I went on a, a rant. I wrote a couple of columns about how Medicare Advantage plans will go f- further and further toward restricting your health care and, and authorizing tests and so forth in the name of profitability of these companies. And everybody wrote to me, well, a lot of people wrote to me and said, listen, I had my hip replaced, it paid for everything, I got to choose my doctor, it was wonderful. And I said, yeah, there's no way of knowing which Medicare Advantage plan is gonna continue to uh, work well and be mindful of patient concerns. However, just after we got off the air last week, I think it was after the close Wednesday, Humana, one of the largest Medicare Advantage providers reported a loss and of in their earnings report and attributed that loss to higher spending in Advantage plans than they had anticipated. The stock fell 22% immediately and they did a forecast that not only would they be squeezed going in 2024, but also in 2025. When these big public companies that run the Advantage programs, the way they do it is they bill the government and then they have to give care that, well, is less than the cost of the reimbursement from the government so that they can make a profit. The second thing that came out about the same time was the nonpartisan independent commission that oversees Medicare Advantage, it's called MedPAC, projects $88 billion in overpayments to insurers because the insurers have been gaming the system, coding many of the people that are part of their plan as sicker than they actually are to get a higher per person reimbursement level for them. So it is digging into the traditional Medicare plan. There's several documented reports. I just posted a column right after we got off the air last week about both of these issues. Profits being squeezed, ripping off the government for overpayments. And the only reason I bring it up is that now until March 31st, there's another open enrollment period. You aren't seeing the TV commercials, but it's the one period Of course, you're not seeing them because it's the one period where you can switch back to traditional Medicare and a supplement if you do it before March 31st. So you know that the way these companies are going to go about making up their profits, they're huge public companies, is by either denial of care, rationing uh, uh, services and tests, and they're probably not going to be individuals that you could complain to. They're using artificial intelligence more and more to determine whether, yeah, that MRI is really necessary. 
you want to switch back, go read the column at terrysavage.com. It's called The Advantage Crunch. Speaking of all of that, here's a question for Terry Savage. Why does Terry always promote signing up for Medicare Plan F as a supplement of Medicare as opposed to Medicare Advantage when it is being done away with? It's not available for anyone who turns 65 on or after the 1st of January 2020. Yeah, no, Medicare G is the one that's, uh, um, Medicare F was great, and it paid for your deductible. Medicare G is now G for great. That's how I remind myself. It's the best plan available now. And the reason I promote, let me make this distinction. The reason I suggest that you stick with traditional Medicare is even if you have a supplement that is not, quite as comprehensive as the G for great, which you should want to have now. Traditional Medicare allows you to pick and choose your providers, any provider that accepts Medicare. So you don't have someone standing, when you go to your doctor and he says, oh my gosh, I have to order an MRI or an ultrasound or a a this or that, you know, scan something. You don't, the doctor doesn't have to call your advantage plan and or put in a request which will be coded by the the artificial intelligence or maybe a person uh, who's being motivated to save money your doctor says i'm going to send you right for right now for an mri and medicare covers that so you want the flexibility of Medicare. It's not just about cost because it's fine. Yes, it costs less to be an advantage if you're well. There are still out-of-pocket costs and advantage. People don't realize that. But right. more important is this restriction on who you can see and when you can see them. Hey, Terry, um, should I redeem $20,000 in I-bonds and purchase T-bills instead? Oh, you know, this... The, First of all, the rates are going to change again. Well, it's not that far away in May, and the rates will probably be lower on I-bonds. I wrote a column in November when the rates changed and dropped, saying, you know, within a year you'd break even if you switched from, if you if you bought the new I-bonds. T-bill rates are dropping too. Let's make an, an let's blow a trumpet. Aren't they about here, the same though? No, 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 they're not. I, I don't mean as products, but I mean, aren't the rates about the same? No, they're not. Let let me just, uh, let me sort things out. Let me say this about I-bonds. If you bought them back when the rate was 9.62, I think it was, uh, every six months since then, the rate has changed. And forgive me if I don't remember the exact rate right now, but it's something like 3.37 or something like that. The newer I-bonds have a floor, which makes them a little more advantageous. T-bills right now, are yielding um, 5.17% for six months. So, but overall, rates are dropping. A month ago, the end of the year, T-bills were yielding five, six-month T-bills were yielding five and a half. Now, under five and a quarter. And given what the Fed, Fed's going to meet again today, 99.9% chance they won't do anything, but everybody's anticipating multiple rate cuts going forward in the year, maybe starting in March, maybe a little bit later, interest rates are coming down. In fact, let's blow a trumpet and say, interest rates have peaked. I can't think of anything that could make interest rates go up now, except a sudden explosion of inflation, which doesn't seem to be happening. 
even a financial crisis globally would drive money to the U.S. Money, lots of money buying pushes yields down. So interest rates have peaked. But that doesn't mean they're not still a great deal because six-month interest rates right now on six-month T-bills at 5.17% are well above what the Fed is looking at the numbers for inflation, which now have gotten around to the high 2% yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. so I'm sorry, Terry, so you're saying stay with T-bills? I, I would stay with T-bills at this point. It was a great, fun thing to do to buy the I-bonds. I have them. I'm not selling them. But right now, just roll those six-month T-bills and expect rates will be lower when they automatically renew. Here's an editorial comment from a listener. Yes, John, you should side with Citibank in the case of somebody getting their money stolen out of their account. Terry, when you discuss issues like fraud and scams, Social Security horror stories, the first thing you should lecture listeners about is personal responsibility. There's no free lunch. All of the rest of us pay for the people who won't be responsible for their financial affairs, says one of our listeners. Okay, one of our listeners, write me back again when somehow it happens to you. <laughs> I, of course, always stress responsibility. The whole point of all my horror stories is to understand how things are calculated or, mm-hmm. or to be aware of the scams. Uh, but when it happens to you and you're under and you've been defrauded, I don't know. Uh, I have friends in the banking industry. Goodness knows for a while I was even married to a bank CEO, come to think of it. And I, I get the banker side of it completely. But I'm here for you to warn you. Yes, and I do warn you and to explain to you why they're not giving in. And you have people like Attorneys General or Consumer Financial Protection Bureau um, trying to protect you. And I'm here relaying the news and the important stuff as All I right. see it. Can we get a short answer to this? John, ask Terry Savage this. Can I give $18,000 to my daughter and to her boyfriend and to each of their children in 2024? And can my wife do the same? Can my daughter and her boyfriend access the money I give her children to purchase a house or a car or anything? Okay, the uh, gift limit for 2024 is $18,000. Are you sure you want to give it to the boyfriend? Well, um, it sounds like if they've got kids, maybe it's, I don't know yeah, what the yeah, situation yeah. is. If you're trying to accomplish this, you need to have a documented family loan. And during the break, I'll give you the website where, you, you, you yes, you can make those gifts. The gifts for the children would have to be in custodial accounts. Those could not be accessed for the purchase of a home. Mm. So maybe you want to give your daughter the money and then maybe arrange a loan. Um, but you could give the gift to the boyfriend. All right, Terry, more questions. What else do you want yeah, to say? L- let me just follow up. I was sitting here thinking about the man who wants to give $18,000, the allowable gift. You know, first of all, you could buy the house and give it to them. It would just be part of your estate and gift tax at your death. That's not something that's really an issue. I just, if this young family cannot afford um to buy this house with their own down payment and maintain the mortgage payments, you're not doing them a favor. But if you want to do a loan, a personal interfamily loan, go to debt.org and there's a, a great article in loan forms. You can actually take out loan forms, go to any of these legal Zoom type places, interfamily loans. But the, there's a lot that goes with making a loan to a family member. Most importantly, what are you gonna do, uh, foreclose if they don't pay? So there are a lot more creative ways. It was going to be a gift, though. I mean, so can I do a loan of 0%? Is, 
Yeah, the point I'm making is maybe you're better off buying the home, financing it, charging them rent in the amount of the monthly payment, and then uh, gifting them at least two-thirds of the monthly rental toward the value of the home at one point when they can scoop up enough down what do you payment think should happen? plus their credit. What do you think should happen? Say I do that. Say, I look, I say, I'll buy the house, and you just pay me the mortgage. That's your rent, give or take, whatever, however much we want to make it. But anyway, then after five or ten years, um, the house gets sold. Who should get the uh, equity back? Who should get That's the all part of your agreement. That's, that's doing it correctly. What I'm saying is, if you want to give your daughter $18,000 to help with the down payment, and her fiancé has that money, but these two aren't married yet. They do have kids. They have, you know, obviously have grandchildren. The question, it, it, I just, it's a lot of money, four times $18,000. You know, we're, we're talking about a lot grand, of money that yeah. you're, you're going to give away. And... Um, it might not be the right thing for your daughter and her children. It just there's just a lot to it. Mm-hmm. I I always think about the what ifs. Okay, what about this? I have the money to pay off my son's twenty thousand dollar student loan. Do you recommend paying it off in a lump sum or some other form of payment? Yeah, my, first of all, I would try to. It depends on how old the loan is. Look on uh, studentaid.gov and see if he qualifies for any loan forgiveness. Depends on how long the loan's been outstanding in his income. But the greatest gift you could possibly give him is to pay off that student loan. I would suggest that you either gift him $18,000, which is the amount you can do in one year, and let him pay it off out of that gift. Or uh, you could probably pay it off yourself because nobody's looking for that other Because $2, the interest dollars. rate on that is going to be better than you could get with that money, for instance, right? I, I think certainly. certainly right now you won't earn as much. But I think there's something when you get to this point, I'm not against giving gifts to family. When you can help out and it makes a difference, fine. First exhaust, again, check out studentaid.gov to see if, you, if he maybe qualifies for some forgiveness. If that doesn't happen, sure, go ahead and gift him the money and let him pay it off. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Let's start with you, Mary. You're on WGN with um, Terry Savage. What can we do for you? Hey, guys. Um, I'm a retired teacher. I'm collecting my retirement. I did just sign up for Medicare. We're not going to start collecting it until March. My husband's still employed. I'm just trying to figure out if I should get the teacher's retirement insurance plan along with the Medicare. And I didn't know if Terry had any ideas about that. Gee, you know, the answer is I don't know about their insurance plan, but Medicare will be, once you sign up, it's the primary payer. The question you have to ask of the HR department of teachers is, is this as good as a supplement? I think you probably want to get plan G as a supplement if you can afford it. But I don't know how that retirement plan, the teacher's retirement plan interacts with Medicare. So I can't give you a good answer, but they should know and be able to tell you. Medicare always pays first though, Terry? Medicare will be the primary payer if you have other insurance. How's that sound, Mary? Okay, good luck to you on that. How about uh, Kate? You're on WGN with Terry Savage. Hi, Kate. Hi. Um, Terry, yeah, I'm just here. wondering uh, if I'm insane or not. 
I'm going to turn 62 in May. Well, then you're insane. Keep going. Uh, okay. And I really want to retire. My husband is already retired. He'll be 65 in March. Um, I can't do this job anymore. What do you do? What do you do? It's exhausting. Kate, what do you do? I am a retail associate. I drive constantly, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday. I go to different grocery stores, gas stations, and... uh, I'm exhausted. I, I'm exhausted you know, listening. I don't. Hey, Kate, I get it. I'm exhausted listening to you. Whose health insurance do you use? Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield right now. But do you get that from your employer? Yes, I have to pay for it. Okay. So um, let me think about this for a second. The biggest challenge... First of all, you won't take Social Security until full retirement age, I hope. But if you're exhausted, I'm not telling you to stay at this job. Your biggest challenge is finding health insurance. So if you want to go online to look at what it would cost for you, I assume your husband's retired and he has Medicare, right? He's not on it yet because he retired at 55 and now he works, um, he actually works a full-time job, but he's ready to retire, and he'll be 65 at the end of March. Okay, so he'll get Medicare. So your insurance problem is your insurance problem, and you can go to ehealth.com, ehealth.com, and take a look at how much it would cost you for an insurance policy, maybe even a high deductible policy if you have some savings, between the age of 62 and 65 when you get Medicare. That's number one, that's your number one thing to do. How will you cover your insurance? You don't want to be uninsured for three years. Okay. But you also want right. to start taking Social Security. But wait, right? wait, wait. Okay. But that's, that's what this call's about. She it, wants to take Social Security right now. But, okay. Well, you didn't say that, uh, Kate. Well, but well, let's ask her. Kate, do you want, or is your plan, if you retire, to start taking Social Security right away? Yes. Okay. Did you want my blessing? You yes. sound exhausted. You have my blessing. It's not the optimal way to go for Social Security. And what I was going to suggest is that your real cost, assuming your family can live on your budget without your paycheck, if you can do it without starting Social Security for another five years, um, is to get a different kind of part-time job. Use that part-time job to pay for your health insurance and contribute to the family budget. It will be a significant increase to you over the rest of your life if you can wait till what will be 67 your full retirement age but guess what nobody should work yourself into the ground just because of this so if you can't figure out a better way then and you know what the costs are of insurance and you can't figure out a better way than taking your social security early you have my blessing i know i've crusaded against that i i'm actually i'm willing to work part-time just to one place. I mean, I I drive hundreds and hundreds of miles. No, your your job sounds exhausting, and you sound work exhausted. out the numbers. Yeah, work out the numbers, and then go ask your boss. Okay, but and say I, wanna, I work. 
We're glad. We, we, we've got to pause here. So, Kate, thank you for the call, and please keep listening. But, Terry, uh, maybe you can, and after a break, tell us how much she will be losing if she retires at 62 versus 67. If she starts taking Social Security at 62 versus 67. If, assuming she lives to be 85 or pick whatever the number is these days, it would be significant, wouldn't it? It will be significant. Okay, well, that's the, okay, so the blessing comes with the curse. Thank you for the call. And Terry, thank you. Wow. More business news with Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. An iconic Chicago toy company is animating its little red wagon. Radio Flyer has launched a digital entertainment division that it says will use animated storytelling to pump new life into the brand. Cranes reports the company's Radio Flyer Studios will produce a series of short animations that will appear first on the Radio Flyer YouTube channel. It hopes the Little Red Wagon will someday star in a network-based television series or motion picture. This is not the first childhood toy that's come back into the public eye through film. The Barbie boom led to a motion picture and Oscar nominations. Deerfield-based Walgreens is cutting more jobs in a third round of layoffs in less than a year. The pharmacy chain has cut 145 workers, mostly from its corporate workforce. That's in addition to the 770 workers cut since last May. The layoffs come as Walgreens' earnings and stock prices are down as it struggles to develop a health care division and because of pharmacy competition. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Wintrust Business Minute. Here's the business of food with Steve Alexander. Yeah, thank you. Have you ever spent time looking into the eyes of a cow? This guy has. Yep, I'm Brian Elliott, founder and CEO of 406 Bovine. And which do you think is harder to do? Tell the difference between cows' faces or human faces. They're actually more identifiable features on cows than there are humans. How about that? More about cow facial ID after I thank the Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com for sponsoring us today. There's never been a better time to put a Silverado in your toolbox or even drive that Silverado out into the pasture to see what's wrong with a cow, except that cow's identifying your tag has fallen off. And that happens a lot. Especially up in the northern states due to the weather. Turns out there's an app for that. Brian Elliott says his app, 406 Bovine, works by just pointing your iPhone or iPad at the animal's face and the software, thanks to... Machine learning and artificial intelligence. Can identify the animal. Really? That's a question we get asked a lot. How do you tell a black cow from a black cow? It starts by setting up the app, which involves running the cow through a chute, much like you would when you ear tag them. Squeeze them and squeeze chute, and then we're going to create new entry on the app by taking a three to five second video within the app. And that's going to prompt you then to the profile page, and you're going to fill out the profile information there. And later on, when you need to ID the cow, just open up the app, point the camera at it, and bingo, its profile pops up. And it can also be used to ID stolen animals. Yes, the cattle in the U.S., I mean, that's a big issue. And then sheep in other countries. 406 Bovine launched last November, and Brian's been making the rounds of the livestock shows. And he'll be at the NCBA, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention, which begins today in Orlando. For now, he says the focus is on cattle. But this does have other use applications for swine and sheep, equine, for instance. Which means that someday, pointing an iPhone at a horse and using that 406 Bovine app, you can answer the question, why the long face? 406bovine.com for more info. From the farm to your belly, uh, this would have been better a week or so ago, it's National Hot Chocolate Day. I'm Steve Alexander, and that's the business of food on 720 WGN. Terry Savage, back to you. Ready for more calls, or you got a word in edgewise? 
You left me with a question, and during the break, I calculated the answer. We were talking to Kate, who was so tired she wanted to retire at 62. I said, great, see if you can go part-time. See if you can afford health insurance for three years till Medicare. See if you can wait till age 67, your full retirement age. And you said, Terry, what's that going to cost her? Well, I just looked. The average in 23, a benefit for Social Security individuals, is about $1,788 a month. I rounded up to $1,800. It will cost you 30% of your monthly benefit, roughly, to take it early. So let's say that's of $1,800. I'm really good, terrible at math, but good at these easy ones. $600 times 12 months is $7,200 times 25 years is $180,000. And that's not the whole answer because you have a lower base. All your inflation adjustments will be lower along the way. So you will be losing out on a small fortune if you could only figure out a way, yes, retire, go part-time, find another job, pay for your insurance benefits, and see if you can hold out till age 67. It's 12.55. My daughter's fiance has $90,000 in college loans. Are there circumstances under which she could become responsible for his debt? Whoa. Yeah, well, if because they get married, gonna, you're going to be responsible jointly. Well, aren't you? no, you're not legally responsible, but this is going to be a huge bite out of your family income. It's going to be play a part in can we have kids and not look at my loan payments? I would suggest that the best Ray Kaplan, okay, you know the number by heart. I yep. know it's Ray R A E Kaplan dot com. Take the fiance in to see Ray, see if he qualifies for a um, loan forgiveness program right now, the SAVE program and so forth. They've adjusted it so family income isn't as much of a factor in the repayments. But the fact is, starting out with $90,000 in debt means it's going to impact your, your re, you know, the retained income that you have to well, they qualify know that, for a but, mortgage. But what are you going to do, tell her not to get married? She's going to marry this guy. They're, they're engaged. Now they got $90,000 in debt. Well, the question was, is it going to impact your daughter? It's Yes, it's, it'll impact her the, in multiple ways. The question ways. is, is it, it, um, it says, are there circumstances under which she could become responsible? No, his responsible. loans are his. So if they his got divorced are, or, I don't know, something else. No, no, she, no, no, no. Got hit his loans are his got, own. Okay, fair enough. Okay, his own obligation. But call Ray, raykaplan.com. 312-294-8989. 312-294-8989. Okay. Kaplan Law. Your best gift to them for a wedding present would be figuring out how some of that could maybe be forgiven. Terry, we're out of time. Whoa, that flew. Yep, it always does. And we've got a lot more questions here. If you text it in, we'll try and get to them next Wednesday. Thank you for your phone calls. Try and get in early next week. And we have more open time at the beginning of the show than at the end. All right. Or post them at terrysavage.com. I'm, I'm caught up. I'm amazed. I'm finally caught up. terrysavage.com. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.